so the traditional sense of toughness um, is you know we associate and with you know pushing through pain, uh, which leads to the glorification of you know the big hits and uh, playing through injuries. So we're trying to introduce a new tough. Uh, which is the toughness required to manage concussions properly. So to go against your instinct as an athlete and put your brain health first, the strength to report concussion symptoms and the patience to complete recovery before returning to the game, uh, the courage to speak up for a brain injured teammate and offer support while they heal, and uh, to have the integrity to play the game within the rules by avoiding illegal hits to the head or neck, no matter how high the stakes or emotions. I'm Sarah Renberg, ice hockey player and representative of the Headway Foundation, and this is the Heads and Tails podcast. Welcome back to the Heads and Tails podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Som, and each week I bring you an inspiring athlete's story of perseverance or expert knowledge in the field of sports health and safety. Just like flipping a coin, you can't control what happens to you in sports or in life. You can always control how you respond. This is my response after suffering a traumatic brain injury in a high school football game, and I hope it leaves you feeling both inspired and informed. Welcome back to the Heads and Tails podcast. This week I'm interviewing Sarah Renberg, who's a hockey player that's been struggling with post-concussion syndrome for close to two years now and has also played a pivotal role in the creation of the Headway Foundation, which aims to promote a safer sports culture, which we're all about here on the podcast, and also provide resources for brain-injured patients and enhance concussion evaluation protocols and accessibility. So Sarah, can you start off by just kind of talking about maybe some of the concussions that you've sustained and have led to your post-concussion syndrome? Sure. So I got my first concussion as a sophomore in high school, uh, January 31, 2014. I played for the Washington Pride U19 college prep team in the Junior Women's Hockey League. I was just starting to come into my own as a defenseman, uh, looking to play in college, and I just took a hit from behind. I was a D retrieving the puck after a dump. And uh, the girl like cross-checked me from behind and I went head first into the boards. I was pretty slow to get up. Uh, I actually, I don't remember a ton about the first concussion and the recovery, but I remember um, looking, my goalie had skated over to see if I was all right. And she has all white pads. So when I turned to look up, it was all white. And it took me a little second to realize that it was her pads and not like I freaked out a little bit. Um, but I just sat out a few minutes to shake it off uh, and played the rest of the game. I think I was kind of numb and dazed, but there were no headaches yet that I remember. I told my coach that I had a headache that night, and he said to, you know, hydrate, see how I'm doing. Um, next day, I think I had, like, a little bit of a headache, and I was tired, but I, we play a pretty rough schedule, so I thought I'm normally tired. Um, and a dad who was an EMT, you know, did the light in my eyes and said I was okay, so I played a period or two poorly and took an awkward hit to the shoulder, and I was done from there my my d partner realized i wasn't okay so i sat out and i'm thankful for that d partner and um yeah she kind of looked out the for symptoms you. started yeah no i i owe her a lot and the symptoms sort of started showing up over the next 24 hours and then hit full force about 48 hours after the first hit it was actually super bowl sunday that year and i tried to watch and it was you know agony um, that was just definitely a bad night. So I had the typical, you know, concussion symptoms, the headache, nausea, vestibular issues, vision issues, cognitive issues. Um, and that took about six months, uh, to heal. Wow. That's and, a long you know, time. the whole, t- yeah, it was, it was tough. Um, but I would say that once we found the right doctor with the right steps, it was a 
steady progression towards recovery, whereas my second concussion was not like that. I went downhill for a lot longer. So All right. before we get um, to that one, uh, yeah. so the hit that caused the first concussion that was probably that was a legal hit. It sounds like right. Yeah, yeah. She got a two and ten uh, penalty, total hit from behind. It was an, an ugly play. Uh, my parents weren't there. But uh, it like my coach jumped up. I mean, everyone realized it was a bad hit. And like, did she ever apologize? Or like, what's kind of the culture like in hockey in terms of like those kind of hits? You know. Um, I so I don't believe she had the intent to harm. I think we were both going really fast and um, trying to play the same puck. So I don't think it wasn't like an emotional. I'm gonna like get back at you for something. Right. So I don't have any problem. Uh, with her and we never talked um, and I always liked when I got back to playing I liked going against that team I had a personal thing with beating them um, but I think it was more an accidental th thing than a, an intentional hit but right. I urge all players you know to be careful and know where you are on the ice so you don't send someone headfirst into the board right because that could also <laughs> cause a spinal cord injury too I've heard those kind of stories yes so. yeah I was really lucky yeah all right so what kind of treatments did you get for that first concussion that you said work you, you you obviously said that you you went to some doctors that that didn't really help help you but once you you kind of found a groove with with some other treatments so can you kind of explain what what worked and what didn't mm -hmm. so um well the first doctor i went to for, based on a recommendation was just a sports medicine practice in my area and he like so i didn't get really nauseous until a couple days after i got hurt so he thought that was the stomach flu it was vestibular problems um so he was more of a waited out type of person and just take a couple weeks off school and get back into it but i found another doctor at the children's hospital of philadelphia who pointed me in the direction of vision therapy vestibular therapy working the neck um, and sort of making a steady progression in those uh, and Vision therapy got me back, uh, I think, the most, and then a steady progression of increasing my you know, cardio over time and, and trying to um, rehab as opposed to waiting. Okay. And, and what, were, like, your emo what was like your emotional state throughout this time being away from the ice? So it was, it was tough, um, but I think with the, my first injury, I never gave myself the chance to quit. I just sort of like gripped my teeth and pushed through. I would say I was under a tremendous amount of pressure to um, meet like academic standards set by my parents um, and also myself. And I wanted to, I needed to make up a lot of work, but I didn't just want to make it up. I needed to get A's. Right. Uh, I'm a competitive perfectionist, which has sometimes hindered my recovery. Double-edged um, sword sometimes. And then needing yep. to get back yeah, and then needing to get back on the ice for recruiting purposes. Like I watched my friends, you know, start to get looks, uh, and I definitely felt that. And it was tough. You know, I've grown up, I've played hockey um, almost my whole life. And so being away from something that you love and something that really defines you, uh, it's tough. Uh, but I sort of just kept my eyes focused ahead and knew I could get back. All right. So you, you just you still, still remain positive, but you, you didn't you, – What's interesting is that that's something that hasn't really come up on the podcast too much is the idea of recruiting, you know, and the pressures to get back on the ice to be in front of, you know, scouts and, you know, college coaches and stuff. So did you go, did you come back a little earlier than you think you should have because of these pressures or? Um, 
No, because it was six months later. I would say that. So there's this July showcase. Uh, the, it's a bean. Uh, it's called Bean Town, and it's the biggest, one of the biggest recruiting showcases of the summer. And I made it my goal to get back there, but I made sure to be cleared by doctors. I know, I I was good, and I think I was good enough. Uh, and other people thought I was good enough, you know, to play D1 in college. But I was never going to make a career out of hockey, so I knew I needed to to put my brain first, and I was smart about that. Um, so I don't really think that I came back um, too early. And unfortunately, I was only back for 97 days before getting hurt again. But um, right. I was playing the best hockey of my life during those that time. I was scoring more goals than I had in my entire career and playing really well. So I, I think I, I played the recovery card right uh, the first time around. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's which is kind of rare for most athletes when, who think that they're invincible. Mm -hmm. um, so... In terms of like your schoolwork, you, you said that you were striving for A's like I guess most people would, um, but did you have any like accommodations in school that kind of helped you through that process or studying techniques that you, that you might have for other athletes who are struggling in school with concussions? Yeah, so, um, well, the first time around, it was easier. The second time, I had to create an entirely uh, personalized schedule. But the first time around, uh, making sure to take, you know, 10, 15-minute breaks in the day, even if you don't feel like you need it, um, because if you push through, then you're going to feel it after. Um, so definitely always have a timer, you know, working at 20-minute intervals or whatever it is. My parent, my mom read me so much of the stuff I needed to read because that was a struggle. Uh, books on tape. Um I did get extended time on some things and extended time to make things up, but I it was definitely a fight with the school uh, and also with the second injury, like uh, silly required classes like health. No offense to health teachers, but um, like people, so that's you know not really an academic class like you know pre-calc, um, but they required me to do as much if not more than you know a class like pre-calc depending on the teacher. Right. So. Um, I'm lucky. I'm the daughter of two lawyers, so we had um, we definitely made arguments to the administration, and they eventually bent to our will. Uh, so somehow I'm not surprised by by time. being from D.C. that your parents are both lawyers. So I spent some, <laughs> I spent some time yeah. in D.C. too. So gotcha. Well, my my mom actually just uh, switched careers over the past couple years to be an interior designer. Um, so that's a little different, but yeah. Yeah, I'd say that, that, many... that's a big swing in uh, career paths. Yes. Yes, but there are many lawyers in D.C. No, um, that is the truth. Cool. Yeah, I lived on uh, 4th and Mass in Northwest. Okay. So I was like nice. by the the Verizon Center. Oh, that's well, that's good. Yeah. I live uh, out in Bethesda, so just outside. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right, so let's move on to the concussion number two. So how, how yeah. did that one happen? So... Um, October 5th, uh, 2014, I was basically coming in. Uh, so I'm a defenseman, and we were playing in the offensive zone. So I was on the blue line, and um, I was skating in full speed to do an overlap with one of my teammates who was coming out of the corner. What's an overlap? And one of, uh, so the, the person with the puck coming out of the corner skates, and then she'll leave it for me, and I skate um, on the outside of her so that we switch possession of the puck Um without the D being able to get it. Gotcha, okay. Essentially. Yep. Yeah, and uh, basically their D read the play, 
and stepped up into me and I had some shoulder to shoulder contact and basically kind of flipped over her and slammed my head back into the ice. It was one of those freak hits that I don't think we could recreate. Uh, it sounded bad, uh, like the whole rink went silent. But at the time, I really just, like, my neck hurt. Like, I knew I had some whiplash going on. Um, but my head didn't hurt, so I just kind of got up slowly and played the power play for that. Um, and I, I would say, I guess I was foggy. I had been sick, like, the week previously. I was getting over a virus, so I thought, you know, the head cold and the nausea had to do with the virus. And I actually went, um, that, that was a Sunday, and that Thursday I was supposed to be playing... Uh, in my first league weekend and I knew a bunch of scouts were coming and I had it in my mind that that was when I would seal my fate for college recruitment. Um, so I went to two doctors cause I just come out of having that the first concussion that was serious. So right. it really freaked me out that I wasn't feeling well. So I went, I had an impact test done, which was deemed inconclusive at my school. And then I went to a concussion clinic where the doctor basically told me I could be concussed or I could just have a virus. Um, and so I decided I didn't want to have a concussion and I would just have a virus. And to be doubly sure, we went to my pediatrician who also thought I could just be sick. Um, and so I thought, well, I've played with being sick before and this is a big weekend. Uh, so I went up there and I did not play well and I only lasted about a period and a half and I ended up getting elbowed in the head and my head went to the boards and, and that was it from there. Um, and I actually puked in Harvard's locker room on a tour two days later. Jeez, so you were, um, you were struggling after that second one, right? Yeah, well, I, I had stopped playing, but my team had already scheduled this tour um, and, and my parents weren't there, so I had to get like we take a team bus up so I, in order to get transport back i had to stay and anyway i puked in the harvard locker room need to say i did not apply there um as a student <laughs> <laughs> so i'm guessing that you did get a concussion when they were kind of questioning whether you had one or not yes yeah. yes so there's no way to tell for sure but right. um and also the neck injury um because my neck wasn't stable i i tore some ligaments that allowed my head to move around more so I was even more susceptible to a second impact right. um, which we learned obviously after uh, when we found some doctors that knew what they were doing right um, but so yes it was definitely and I'm lucky I didn't have a worse second impact um, like I know you had second impact syndrome yep. so I know that it could have been a lot worse it, it got very bad but it, I knew it could have been a lot worse yeah um, I guess what I'm Curious is like in your gut feeling after that first concussion that was like, is it a concussion? Is it a virus? Like, what did you think in your gut? Um, I would say that I was extremely hesitant to make the trip up to Boston. Like I was up at like 1130 the night before the plane talking with my parents and I was kind of um, freaking out. Um, but my so, like my parents, you know, mentioned that, you know, you just got over this. Are you sure this is what it is? And I think a little bit of it was denial. Um, so I don't like blame anyone or myself really right. for what happened. But I, you know, part of our message with the Headway Foundation is, you know, to when in doubt, you know, sit it out and play it safe. And so that was one of my motivators um, in turning my journey into like an advocacy project. Okay. Um before we get into the Headway Foundation, let's finish up mm -hmm. concussion number two. So how long you, – you are you still dealing with the symptoms from this concussion and, and what – Yes, yeah. yes. Okay, and, and so what are the symptoms and then what, what have you been doing to treat them that have, have, has been effective? 
So um, we're now two, more than two years out from the second injury. Um, I you know, have the works of headache, nausea, um, vision problems. I had double vision for a while, but that's since fixed, but I still have vision problems, uh, vestibular problems, memory, cognitive issues, my left side, uh, like is rigid, lack of coordination. Uh, I got diagnosed um, about a year after the injury with postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, which is um, an autonomic nervous dysfunction. So basically whatever your brain does automatically. That's like the fight uh, or flight so like, stuff, right? Yep. So it's like heart rate, um, blood pressure, digestion, uh, sweating, uh, cooling yourself off, temperature regulation. So that system was rocked and I'm still working um, to correct that. I, I'm still symptomatic uh, with that. And that's something that I could potentially have the rest of my life. Um, and that kept me bedridden for a long time. I had um, a lot of GI troubles, uh, like inflamed intestines. I couldn't eat. I basically drank only liquids for uh, two, three months to get the nutrition. Um, that I needed because I like the minute I ate, I was so nauseous and I was nauseous from the you know, vestibular problem. So eating was a struggle. Um, and then so what helped was, again, the vestibular therapy, the vision therapy, physical therapy. Because um, of my neck, I had to be in a neck brace for, I think, eight weeks. And when because I was basically my brain healed frozen because of the neck brace. So when I took off the neck brace and started moving my head around, my brain didn't really know how to react to that. Right. Um, so I'm still working. I actually just had to take, I decided to take a gap year before going to college so that I could uh, get myself in the best uh, fitness possible um, right. so that I can go and excel there. Uh, and also a cardio progression. Okay. Also. And the cardio progression is just like you start off on a bike and you, then you go to a treadmill and yes. then like sport specific stuff, mm -hmm. right? So what's like your yeah. prognosis for getting back on the ice and do you want to go back on the ice? Yeah. So I have skated now a couple times. So the first time I skated was a year out from injury and it was only about eight minutes with my friend and I puked in the trash can. Uh, cause the idea is that my, I'm not going to hurt myself more from being on the ice. It's about uh, building up a tolerance. Right. And so, um, I've skated, I've skated with my brother and had some fun symptomatic and over time, like now I can go on the ice and not have a ton of symptoms or they develop like further along. I am coaching once a week for the one of the Pride Washington Pride younger teams, um, and it's a mixed feelings when I get on the ice because it's where I feel the most changed. You know, I've been skating since I think I started taking skating lessons at three or four, and so you know I've I used to be able to skate better than I could run and agility wise. Um, so it was just natural. It's where I felt the most fluid and free. So to have that where I have to think about, you know, every step, uh, do I have control over my top hand on the stick, which is my left arm? Am I, you know, balanced right? It just, it doesn't feel natural to me anymore. Um, and so it's a, it's a mixed feelings when I get out there, but I still love the game. I never stopped loving the game. Um, and I love coaching. So, so coaching has been a helpful outlet for you while you've been unable to play mm -hmm. yourself. Okay. Yeah, because sometimes, I know for me, being around football, sometimes it was worse than just not thinking about it, you know, so. 
Yeah, it's been both. I've felt both both ways. Um, I took down all that. Like you can walk. I used to walk into my room and you knew I was a hockey player because there was stuff on the walls and trophies, all that. I took it away. Uh, I didn't want to look at it anymore. So it's been uh, both sides um, there with my relationship to hockey. And it's been a challenge because it was something that was so critical right. uh, to my identity in my life. Uh so have you kind of like altered your identity into a coaching role or like what else have you been doing on the side to kind of give you a new purpose or sense of excitement? Like what, what gets you excited now? So um, coaching, like I'm not really, a sh- coaching has been fun, but I definitely don't see that as like my identity. Um, I've really enjoyed, I was in the arts program at my high school, uh, starting freshman year, like all the way through. So I found uh, a lot of solace in drawing and, and doing art, uh, and like doing ceramics, took a ceramics class. Okay. Um, so I, I've enjoyed that. Uh, and then also the advocacy stuff. Uh, I was embarrassed for a long time of what I couldn't do anymore. And I tried to hide the concussion from just about everyone, not uh, in terms of symptoms, but just like how it was affecting me in school. Like I wouldn't tell anyone that I had a headache or that uh, I couldn't read. Like I would just sort of fake it. And, and why, why did you try to hide that? Uh, I think it was a, a pride thing. Okay. Uh, definitely a pride and and pain tolerance and what I could do. I think a lot of, like I used to, you know, tutor kids. I was expected to be a smart kid um, and able to do well. And I didn't want people to know any different, especially my, my classmates. Um, And so, or to be worried about it because it is scary when your brain's not working. Um, and so, you know, I actually, I discovered Kevin Pierce and he sort of, yeah, we, I interviewed me. Kevin, uh, not too long ago. Yeah. That's, I found him on your show and on the internet and watched the crash reel and, and his, he's been a role model in terms of using what's happened and his situation was so much worse and using what happened to, you know, make a difference. And that's why I knew that I wanted to try and do something, um, in the nonprofit world and advocacy side for, for concussion, because it is, you know, unknown and poorly managed in, in most of society. Great. Yeah. Kevin Pierce is a really cool dude. And that crash reel documentary is like unreal, especially for people who have gone through similar situations like us. We we get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. So how, how did you get involved with the Headway Foundation? Um, so, I, in the summer 2015, I started talking to Josephine Pucci, who's a Harvard hockey player and U.S. Olympian, about getting treatment at the Carrick Brain Center. Um, And she was so nice to spend time on the phone with me and discuss her experience there. And I had mentioned that I wanted to do something to help others and, you know, make something of this uh, and, you know, find, you know, some self-purpose again. And she mentioned that she was thinking about starting this nonprofit with a girl named Paige Decker, who played at Yale and who was also on your show. And, uh, you know, she gave me the chance to help. And Paige, Josephine and I then attended the Pink Concussions Women's TBI Summit at Georgetown together and sat down over brunch to get to know each other and brainstorm ideas. And then uh, I went and got treatment with Paige at the Myoworks Clinic in Canada. And I turned to focus on graduating high school and they brought in Danny Otto, who's also a Yale hockey player and filed for tax exempt status and created a board. And then after graduation, I was able to focus on 
helping develop our goals, do research, and write the text for the website, uh, and really work on it since the summer. Yeah, the website looks awesome. I was checking it out the other day, and there's great videos and content, and I feel like everything in there is like perfect. I'm interested to ask more questions Thank about you. that going forward. So you guys should a be a lot of a lot of late nights went into that. Yeah, but I mean, even running my own blog and stuff like it, it's worth the late nights. Like when you're doing something that you really care about, it's like different than yes. staying up studying. Like I don't know. So, of course, yeah, some, of something. Course. I care about. Um, all right, so what's I, I kind of mentioned this earlier in the intro, but what's like your guys' main mission with the Headway Foundation? So our mission is to promote a safer sports culture by raising awareness through our new Tough Pact initiative and educating others. We want to be provide informational resources and a support network for concussed people, uh, expand the conversation on concussion and advocate from the athletes and patients perspective, which is often missing uh, in the discourse and provide teams with the information and resources to protect its players. All right, yeah, and I think the the thing that I think is coolest about it and that most organizations, or at least concussion organizations, don't take account to is uh, the idea of the culture. And I feel like that's a huge mm-hmm. part of, you know, the concussion discussion and why concussions are as severe as they are in my case and your case and, you know, like a lot of the other people that that we know and that we've made relationships with. So... I know you guys recently did uh, a fundraiser called as a was it gold the goals challenge, and yes. it, it was with all Ivy League hockey teams. So can you kind of ex- uh, with the ECAC, the ECAC. East Coast okay. Athletic Conference? Okay, I'm kind of yeah, it wasn't sh- sh- a lot of, but there's a lot of Ivy Leagues in that conference, I guess. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. I think all of them are. All right, so can you kind of explain what that that fundraiser was and how successful it was for you guys? Sure. So. One of the things that makes Headway unique is that we're entirely driven by athletes who've had career-ending concussions, so we bring a unique perspective. And one of the things we wanted to do was to have an awareness campaign so that the athletes you know, know the severity of concussion, hear our stories, and know that if it, they're managed properly, you know, they're not the end of the world, but you just have to handle it right. So our ECAC Concussion Awareness Weekend, Headway partnered with the ACAC, and all the teams learned about concussion, uh, took our pact, and then played. And for every goal a team scored, someone could pledge a dollar amount. So um, you can pledge you know, $5 for every goal Princeton scores, and then that money will go towards our awareness campaign. And it was a really successful, um, the whole Headway Foundation appreciates the ECAC and their fan support. Uh, it honestly, in terms of what we brought in, did better than I had anticipated. And it was just a fun weekend, and all the the kids were receptive to our message. Uh, and I was I was really, really proud of it. It got some of the feelings that I got when playing, you know, seeing the success and, and pride in something. That's Yeah, that's great to see. And it looked like a really cool – it was a really cool idea. There's a, When I was just looking at your website, there's a lot of creativity involved and the stuff that you guys are thinking about. It's really cool to see. So uh, it, I know you guys have this, like – new tough campaign that you guys are running and that's toughness is something I talk about you know on the podcast all the time like what is the definition of toughness so can you talk a little bit about this campaign and how receptive it's been and also like what the definition of new tough is mm-hmm. so new tough is so the traditional sense of toughness um is you know we associate and 
with, you know, pushing through pain, uh, which leads to the glorification of, you know, the big hits and uh, playing through injuries. So we're trying to introduce a new tough, uh, which is the toughness required to manage concussions properly. So to go against your instinct as an athlete and put your brain health first, the strength to report concussion symptoms and the patience to complete recovery before returning to the game. Uh, the courage to speak up for a brain-injured teammate and offer support while they heal, and uh, to have the integrity to play the game within the rules by avoiding illegal hits to the head or neck, no matter how high the stakes or emotion. So it's about mental toughness uh, in terms of, of handling injury. Um, and we're hoping that, you know, people, that this is people should acknowledge that dealing with a concussion the right way is tough. It's hard because you are going against your instinct as an athlete, uh, but it's that toughness that should be uh, commended and, and encouraged uh, by coaches and players. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't say it better, and I am completely in line with how you guys think about in terms of toughness because, yeah, like, like you said, it's almost tougher to know when to tap out than it is just to keep going and destroying your body like you've been mm -hmm. taught to your entire life, right? So that that's a really cool idea that you guys are doing. And and how receptive have the teams been? You know, like hockey's, you know, just like football, you know, they're mm -hmm. traditionally these very – you know, quote unquote, tough sports, you know, playing injured and knocking teeth out and, you know, like that kind of stuff. So uh, how, how receptive have the teams and coaches been to accepting the new, the new tough or adopting the new tough? So that's an interesting question. Um, teams have been extremely receptive as a group because I think everyone knows someone who's been affected by concussion and their strength and numbers. But we found that individuals aren't always too keen to come out in support of us because of the exact stigma we're trying to combat. Right. Um, I think people fear being labeled as weak. And there are certain complexities with the ongoing litigation in the NHL in terms of approaching pros. Um, but I think the teams were all excited to do it as a group. Uh, so it's gone both ways, but I think everyone in sport recognizes that concussions are a problem and something that needs to be addressed. And I think new tough uh, is a, a good concept that people can uh, latch onto. Um, so we've got some mixed reviews, but everyone who participated in the ECAC weekend, all the athletes, they really enjoyed being a part of it. Yeah, that's, that's cool. And can you explain the elements of the new tough pact? So like teams, you have like a, it's a helmet sticker idea. I really like that. I think it's cool. Even mm -hmm. in terms of like football, you know, and I think I'm a football guy at heart. So that's why I always kind of relate mm -hmm. it back to that. So can you kind of explain how that works and how maybe teams can get involved? Mm -hmm. So, um, on our website, www.headwayfoundation.com, you can uh, go under New Tough and you have the option to take the New Tough Pact where players pledge to report possible concussion symptoms and stay patient during recovery, encourage brain-injured teammates to seek help and offer support while they heal, and to play the game within its rules, uh, so to avoid illegal hits to the head or neck. Um, and when you pledge, you get a sticker and the sticker can go on your helmet. And that idea, I'm not sure who came up with originally, but I can't take credit for it. But it's so that every time you put on your helmet, you're reminded of the pact and to play smart and put your brain first. Uh, it was also a way to spread our brand, but it's the idea that the pact, the player is making a conscious decision to put their brain health first and pledge to, uh, not play through injury. So it's, it, um, is a 
way to raise awareness uh, by the player actually doing something. Yeah, and that's great too. Like I like that it's on the helmet because you you know it's the last thing you usually put on before you go out on the field or on the ice, and it's a, you're right. It's a mm-hmm. reminder. Like you know what? Like if something happens out there, maybe I should actually take care of myself instead of you know hiding it. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So I know on your website there's also a concussion circle. It's kind of like a support group, right? So can you explain how how that's worked for you guys? Mm -hmm. So this is actually one of my favorite parts of our organization because concussions are isolating uh, and brain injuries give a person a unique set of problems that not everyone can understand. And what I've found in my own experience is finding people like Josephine, like Paige, like Danny, who I can talk with and who understand it because they've been through it. That's been a huge help. Um, And so we've tried to, with the concussion circle, to create a community and offer support for people who are going through the same struggles that we went through. So you can sign up uh, and you get an email from us and you basically are assigned a buddy, uh, you know, that you can, you know, call for a laugh, to rant, to discuss treatment options. Uh, We're not doctors, so we can't necessarily give medical advice, but we can use our own experience uh, to try and help you out uh, and just offer a support network that I think is lacking uh, when dealing with brain injury. Yeah, it's a great resource, and that's partially what I'm trying to do with the podcast too. So I'm glad I could help you guys spread the word. Um, so what kind of like have what kind of stories have you guys shared on your pot or on, not podcast on your blog that have really resonated with you the most? Um. Well, I would say that the sharing the stuff about the ECAC weekend was big for me because it showed, you know, when I was growing up playing hockey, you know, I idolized the college players because that's the highest level for women. And I idolized the NHLers too. So seeing people who are role models for others taking the pact and advertising the fact that they want to keep their brain safe and to promote a safer sports sports culture. I thought that was a big step in the right direction. And then we also just came out with our new tough video, which is a PSA, which shows a, a kid going through concussion recovery and emphasizing the, um, the points we make in our, our new tough concept. And that is powerful because it plays on the emotional side. It's not a doctor talking at you, telling you why you shouldn't play. It's not a scare tactic. It's showing how to properly handle the concussion and I think appeals to players. And it was a really cool process watching it be filmed, directed by Robin Dench and created. Um, And then to see it and spread the word, uh, you can again see it on our website. Um, So those I think are the two things that... Uh, I've enjoyed most. Yeah, and I'll I'll include that uh, video in my post, assuming that it's on YouTube too. Uh huh. It is. Uh, Thank okay. you. And uh, are there any other resources that you want to mention before we we move on that are provided um, on your website? Definitely. So we have um, a really expansive uh, resource informational resource section uh, under education where we've. Done. I've actually personally read uh, hundreds of medical journals, all from 2012 forward, because we want the most up-to-date information. And we've then broken it down into easy-to-digest information about concussion, about all aspects of the way injury affects you. We have recovery tips. We have, um, you know, talking about how concussions can affect your vision, vestibular um autonomic system uh so we have a a huge supply of information we also have 
uh, a coach's page where you can learn about the latest in diagnostic technology, things to look for, the signs and symptoms. We have things for parents, for teachers uh, who want to be more receptive to concussed students in the classroom. So I, I'd highly recommend taking a look at our, our resource information. All right. I'll, I'll try to link up as much of that stuff as I can, too, in the show notes. Uh, and just kind of as we wrap up, I got a few more questions, not necessarily related to concussions. But um, so what are the major differences between the women's game and the men's game in hockey? Um, so the most obvious difference is there's no checking in women's hockey. There are no open ice hits, but that isn't to say it's not physical. If you watch you know, the U.S. Olympic women's team, they're going to be extremely physical. I got hurt playing women's hockey. It's physical. I've played both both boys and girls hockey, and it, it's still a physical game. Um, but because there's no hitting, girls have to rely solely on skills and speed. So I, I think it's a little bit more of a finesse game than uh, the men. And um, But it, I've played both, uh, and it's a lot of fun. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's always fun to hit people just in a, in a safe way, like we, like we mentioned. Um, exactly. So what are your thoughts on fighting in hockey? Because obviously, if you're getting punched in the face, it's usually probably not pretty good for your brain. <laughs> so I think that hockey um, is an extremely physical game without the fights. Um, and I think the NHL as a whole is moving away from fighting as it becomes, like, it's becoming a more skilled, faster game. There there aren't as many goons out there. I appreciate fighting as part of the history of hockey. Like, I understand how it adds to the culture, but I'm not, I don't really respect the people who watch hockey for the fights. Hockey's so much more than the fighting. Uh, I, so I think that it can be with, like, it's not necessary. Okay, yeah, because um, I know some people like, you know, swear by it like oh you can't get rid of fighting hockey that's you know that it wouldn't be hockey anymore if, it, if there weren't fighting so yeah. i'm just curious what you're well, there's what your something thoughts. to be said for that but i personally don't find a need for it but right. i was also never really into trash talking when i played but it's just my opinion all right um all right so how how young do you think is too young to check for like youth hockey uh, so actually Gotcha. So actually, while I was going up the ranks in youth hockey, they changed the checking age and they pushed it back to the U14 level. And I think that's the right call. I think U14 is a good age to start um, because this allows kids to develop the skills without having to worry about getting wrecked, allows for a faster game, protects kids from the repetitive head trauma. Older kids are able, able to better protect themselves against hits, so you, you just become a more skilled player before you introduce the hitting. And I think the most important thing is that when kids start checking, that they learn how to hit and how to take hits proper, properly. My youth program did a great job of having you know checking clinics when you transitioned into that age group. And I think that's important because if you don't know how to take a hit, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah, especially when you got the boards involved. I think that's like an added element of danger in the sport that's not there in like football and, and other contact sports. Exactly. The boards don't give. Right. The ground gives. The boards are just running into a wall. Yep. Uh, all right. So what's your personal definition of toughness? Um, my, so I think toughness is looking at adversity, acknowledging it, and then doing whatever it takes. Um, I think it's taking what life throws at you and never losing hope. Uh, in case of head injury, that means acknowledging that you're hurt and then battling through your recovery. Um, but I think that it's you know stepping up to the plate when you know there's going to be a battle and keeping your head while doing it. Great. 
Uh, and then you want to plug your social media, like where people can find you both personally and with the, the Headway Foundation? Yeah, I'd love to. So um, my name is Sarah Renberg. You can follow me on Instagram at sren20 and on Twitter at sren1820. And then the Headway Foundation can be found at www.headwayfoundation.com. Uh, and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at, at HeadwayFDN. Uh, and you can see the latest uh, news um, from what we're doing on our end. That's great. And I'll link all that up in the show notes too. And uh, Sarah, I really appreciate you coming on, telling your story, giving us the info about the Headway Foundation and also for your work with the foundation. And I really want to applaud you guys for the work that you've done because the website is like incredible. It's, it's something to definitely be proud of. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to share my story and also the great work that the Headway Foundation is doing. And I am a huge fan of your your podcast, and I, I agree with everything that it stands for. So thank you for having me. Thanks, Sarah Renberg. Appreciate it.